Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Life of a Utah Medium. I am your host, Caden, and we got to watch the Super Bowl tonight. If you were among those of us that watched the Super Bowl, uh, who were you rooting for? Send me a message. Let me know if your team won or not. We uh, we were watching in hopes for the Bengals, and uh, just wasn't their year. It came pretty close there at the end, but uh, just just didn't, couldn't pull it off. Just that last few plays where they decided to keep messing things up just wasn't their game. So it's all right. We've got another chance. I think they've got a great team, and uh, I think they'll come back next year and, and try it all again and see if they can't pull out the same thing and get another chance at the Super Bowl. Um, but let me know. Let me know what you thought and uh, how you felt about the the way the game was there was a couple of plays that really should have been called on both teams um you know of course the uh definitely talked about face mask call on the Bengals that was missed that should have been called uh would have made a little bit of a difference in the game i think but nonetheless congratulations to the Rams were pulling out a great win and, and stopping the Bengals in the last few seconds of the game and pulling out an amazing win. A um, couple of guys on their team we know are retiring this year or, or are rumored to be retiring this year, and, uh, and that was a great win for them. It was good to see them pull it out, and both teams actually did really well. That was a really good game to watch. So um, hopefully, you know, come into the next season and they'll make it interesting for us again we will see what happens as promised in the life of a utah medium podcast page and on the facebook page we're going to start doing random news stories funny news stories paranormal news stories uh, on these podcasts and on broadcast and in doing some research I thought this week we would bring you a funny news story, and it comes out of <laughs> the conversation happening right now about Jeff Bezos' yacht and whether or not they're going to move that bridge. And I don't know if you have heard this story, read this story. Uh, apparently, Mr. Bezos bought a super yacht. He bought a very large yacht. and now it's stuck. Now they have to move a historic bridge crossing, a bridge crossing that's been there for decades. And there's been a lot of controversy and a lot of conversation about that boat. And today's story comes from that. Uh, the Dutch have gotten together and they have decided that if Mr. Bezos requires them to move that bridge, they are going to host a party and we've even found a Facebook posting. Um, there's an event for it called the Dutch Egging Jeff Bezos Yacht. And <laughs> we, I've kind of looked around at it to see if it was a, an actual thing. The new story talks about it, and it is. Uh, so if you're curious, go look it up. Jeff Bezos uh, Yacht, if they decide to move that bridge. Uh, they have thousands of citizens that are happy to go and egg his yacht as they move it through that opening. So good luck, Mr. Bezos. Hopefully <laughs> you uh, can find a better way to get your yacht around that bridge or um, deal with the, you know, fading paint and um, 
the potential issues that are going to come out of that. That's going to be a good time for sure. Uh, <laughs> hopefully they can figure out another way to do that. And that uh, event does not need to be a thing. And maybe it will still be. I mean, there's there's been a lot of talk about that uh, and about what they were going to do to get that bridge moved. A lot of the architecture around it is, uh, you know, it's it's unbeatable. It has been there. It has been solid standing for a long time. And uh, it's become historic. It's become a landmark and place that people go and visit frequently. And uh, and so needing to move that, you know, a millionaire trying to recreate uh, a historic landmark boat through is definitely going to be the area. So we will keep you updated. Uh, we will do some updates on this story as we go. And if you hear of any funny news stories, random news stories, or uh, paranormal news stories that you want to hear on this show, uh, go ahead and send them to me over on Facebook at the Life of a Utah Medium. And uh, I would love to get them up on the show for you and uh, get some listener feedback on those shows. It's uh, definitely fun to look around and see what stories are out there and um definitely kind of had to narrow this one down i had a few different stories lined up uh but this one definitely took the cake so uh good luck mr bezos and uh you know again keep you updated guys um let's do a little bit of an update um we talked very very briefly on my first podcast show on here about the life of a Utah medium and about what I do and uh, the readings that I do. And so I want to give you a little bit more of an update on the medium aspect of things. And then we're going to get into mental health in Utah and talk a little bit about the challenges that Utah is facing right now and the things that the state leaders and local leaders and even some of the organization directors are trying to accomplish in the state. Um, so as for as for the life of a Utah medium, um, when it came to forming that name and kind of uh, creating that understanding, I had been doing a lot of readings and a lot of uh, paranormal investigations before that for years. And uh, about five or six years into uh, doing readings and kind of doing some of the energy work, it was brought to me that not a lot of people talk about normal life and what it's like to live the life of a medium and especially living as a medium in the most religious hateful state in the entire country um as you all may know utah is the home of the lds church or the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints however you want to uh state that it's always been the LDS church growing up and that's what I you know choose to continue with um but I am my, my, I myself am not a member of the church I uh did grow up in it and so getting the uh, mediumship abilities and um starting to see and hear from people I knew to be deceased was definitely interesting um and it it went completely against everything I had learned growing up. 
And uh, so it's, it took some time to really get into that and really to be comfortable knowing what I was able to do and knowing that I wasn't crazy and that a lot of the things that I was picking up on was validated. Um, so I, I put it to work. Um, you know, if you, if you have the ability to help somebody deal with the trauma of loss, then you use it. Then you, you help those people and you don't ignore it. And, uh, so then I created, uh, another Facebook page called the, it was originally called the Utah County Medium. Um, and I went around and, uh, did conventions and, did paranormal investigations. And while we were on those investigations, I took some time and, and helped people there that had questions and uh, was able to answer and validate some things on location for the owners of those properties. And then it really took off from there. Then I started to get uh, some good relationships out of that and started getting some contacts from all over the place. Uh, and not even just in the state of Utah, um, because of what I do and, and because of the readings that I've done, I have some amazing friendships with people all over the world. And, you know, I really attribute that to what I do. I really attribute that to the readings that I've done and uh, to the work that I've put into this. And so, you know, fast forward into year five, year six, uh, and some of those relationships, and I got asked a lot what life is like and, you know, if I'm able to live a normal life or if uh, I end up having to uh, sort of live a double life. And, you know, I, and I don't. Um, the people that are in my life know full well. I am very upfront, very direct about what I do. And I get a lot of mixed reviews on that. I get a lot of mixed conversations on that. Uh, especially being in a highly religious state, um, there are a lot of people that disagree and think that what I'm doing is evil. And that's okay. Um, you know, there's some very famous uh, mediums and psychics that do similar things that get similar statements that they are evil and that, you know, shouldn't be able to do that and a uh, whole slew of, you know, of statements that come your way and you can make a choice. You can either let that affect you and you can shut it down and, and essentially go insane because you know what you're hearing, you know what you're seeing. And I've had really, really bad luck at trying to shut that down and <laughs> trying to turn it off. And so I don't, I don't hide it. I don't ignore it. And um, we have a lot of fun with it. So um, we did have an event yesterday that I had been talking on my podcast for the life of a Utah medium um, and on the Facebook page. We've been talking about that for quite a while. And um, this event yesterday was supposed to happen actually a month ago. And then due to um, some scheduling conflicts and um, due to some health issues, we had to push it the date back, which actually worked out pretty great. Uh, we had an amazing turnout last night, and um, I really enjoy doing those group reading sessions. Uh, we had quite a few people in there that were simply there to prove 
that what I was doing was false. Uh, people that wanted to see it done because they didn't believe that it could be. And those are my favorite sessions. And I don't know until after the fact most of the time. Sometimes I do. But most of the time, I don't know until well after the fact that they came in there completely skeptical and, um, you know, non-believing in that kind of thing and wanting to see that that work done for themselves. And, you know, and in some cases, you go into sessions like that with somebody who may be just beginning or isn't really gifted like that at all and try to do everything based on their gut instincts or try to do everything based off of other abilities. Uh, and that's another topic that we'll do another day on the show about um, kind of what the difference is between a psychic and a medium and an energy healer and an empath. Um, and I get asked a lot by people, uh, is this something that everybody could do? Um, and I answer that in two ways. One, I yes, everybody can do it. Everybody has the ability to do the same things. Whether you want to see and hear those spirits or, the, or whether or not you can is entirely up to you. Um, the second way I answer that is, you know, not everybody is supposed to. Not everybody is built for handling that kind of life. Uh, because once you open that up, then you have to deal with that for the rest of your life. And it really can be tiring and overwhelming. And, uh, you know, anybody that's, that's listening to this that has listened to my podcast, we've talked about that a little bit um, in different episodes. But we try to talk about it as, yes, everybody could absolutely do the same things. Um, you know, and it, and it really is you taking the time to understand the extent of your perception. And really getting down to that level of understanding um, and then coming to the realization of whether or not you want to deal with that the rest of your life. And some people just don't. Um, and that's okay. Uh, it's, it's great to have skeptical people and people, you know, non-believers who keep you in line and keep you honest. Uh, if you are really, if I'm truly not picking up on something, and it did happen last night, if I'm truly not picking up on something for somebody, I'm not going to waste your time. I'm going to tell you straight up that I am not picking up anything for you. And that that doesn't mean that there isn't anybody. But right then, in that moment, there is nobody for you when you think you need them. Um, and... And so that's that's kind of where the life of a Utah medium comes from. Um, we I have a lot of conversations with people from all walks of life, people that uh, you know are are really questioning life. Uh, I have people that are on the brink of a life changing decision, and I get asked if they should make that decision. Um, we have people from all over the gamut, and. It really keeps it interesting. It it keeps it busy for sure, uh, because the more of these group sessions and things that I do, the more people find out what I am able to do and the information that I am able to get for them. And then it spreads. Then they talk to their friends and they talk to their family. 
and we get a lot more people that ask a lot of those questions and and i love it um i honestly wouldn't change what i do um i think it is definitely trying at times it can definitely affect personal life uh and i i like to be real about that if there is some paranormal things that are happening that are starting to affect real life i like to step away from that and i like to be up front with people and say you know i need to take a few weeks off because it's starting to be too much and um i haven't really had anybody who didn't understand that or didn't want to have that conversation um and that's just a lot of you know who i am and i like to give you the facts I believe that if you understand everything, you are able to make an education, ed- educated decision for yourself. And so then we start kind of talking about mental health in Utah. And it's it, it definitely is interesting for me, the things that I've experienced in life and the things that we're going through in our personal life and how a lot of it plays into both worlds, how a lot of it plays into uh, the mediumship side and the spiritual world and into the mental health organization and the mental health challenges that we face every day. And so we began our organization. And again, I, I think we talked about it the last time about Mending Minds Village here in Salt Lake City, Utah. And a lot of the things that are coming out of that organization, we didn't expect to face or or really comprehend for years. And we're having some amazing conversations um, barely a month in. I, I think we're coming up on six weeks. Um, so we we do have a lot of work to be done still and it seems like the more that we find or the more that we ask about the more questions we are finding than answers which is great we're working with state leaders we're working with uh, nonprofit organizations that are dedicated to resources for children and we're we're finding some really interesting things uh so one kind of big thing to talk about on that field. Uh, Utah used to be a very high-ranking state in the country when it came to juvenile mental health treatment. And over the years, uh, they've we've really fallen behind. Uh, I, I believe just in the last 10 years, We've gone from about 20th, 15th to 20th place in the country to, as of this year, we are ranked number 40 in the, st- in the country. Um, and actually, I believe that's a little bit higher. I think we're at 38th uh, was the last that I saw. And that is awful. Uh, you hear a lot of stories that come out of the state of, especially younger children who have no resources. Um, who are facing autism and facing bipolar disorder and facing very serious mental health challenges with no resources, with no treatment options, with no diagnostic options. 
Uh, a lot of the uh, psychologists, a lot of the juvenile psychologists in the state don't want to touch juvenile diagnosis. Um, and some of that, talking with some of the boards and, and some of the directors, some of their concern is that once that diagnosis is in place, it sticks with you for life. And my rebuttal to one gentleman was, you know, yes, it sticks with you for the rest of your life, but the disorder sticks with you for the rest of your life. Um, an autistic child is not going to ever lose the autism. They're going to learn medications that help. They're going to learn treatment that helps with it. They're going to learn ways to modify home and school for those kids to understand what they're going through. But that diagnosis and that autism is never going to leave. And it's opening up some really interesting conversations. Uh, a lot of the issue that we're facing in the state right now is staffing shortages. When COVID came in and really started changing the way that treatment was able to be done and a lot of the um, shutdowns started happening and a lot of the, um, you know, COVID protocols and all that kind of stuff started happening, mental health took a back burner. It was one of those deemed unnecessary things in life. And, you know, we, we sit down with the state leaders and we try to understand from their perspective what they're dealing with on the Capitol. Um, we have three amazing uh, representatives that we've been working with and trying to challenge a lot of the coding and a lot of the way that the laws are written and the, the codes are written to help these kids and trying to help them understand how it's actually not helping anything. A lot of the, the codes that are written right now are not allowing insurance to cover much needed testing. And kids that are six and seven, eight years old, and even as young as four, uh, we, we've, we've encountered a couple of families with four and five-year-old children who are asking for testing. Uh, and not because they're trying to throw a dart at the wall, but because they are, they've been able to look back and see family history and understand the challenges that are coming and really try and narrow down what specific diagnosis they're working with and start getting treatment and start getting medication and start getting, you know, modifications for school when things, kids are starting to go into kindergarten and first grade and not being able to learn the same as the other kids because of whatever mental health condition they have. And uh, one of the amazing House representatives that we've been working with is Representative Sandra Hollins here in Salt Lake City. And she has been amazing at looking at the code and telling us, for this child, we need to work on changing this specific code. And this is the way that it reads now. And this is the way that we need to get it changed. Uh, we've got an amazing senator, Sandra, uh, or excuse me, Luz Escamilla, who is the state senator. Um, she has teamed up with us and she agrees. We've taken some of the same codes to her and said, you know, does this make sense to you? And of course it doesn't. And so it brings in more conversations. And we're finding out that a lot of states that are on 
the top 10 of the rankings and have been for a long time have different policies in place. They have boards that are set up specifically for mental health resources and mental health treatment for children. Um, and that's our primary focus. We understand that there are changes, that, that changes need to be made for adults as well. And that adult treatment has really slacked as well for a lot of the same reasons, for a lot of the reasons of there's no staffing in place. A lot of the psychologists that are that have been in place for years uh, because of the way that coding has changed and the way that bills have changed, they don't want to be a part of the system anymore. And, and that's pretty disheartening. I mean, you have psychologists and therapists of 15 years that are retiring early because they don't want to handle what's coming. They can see how far behind we are and how bad it's going to get soon if changes aren't made, and they don't want to stick around for it. Uh, you have psychologists and therapists that are in school now that are learning about the programs and learning about what needs to be done, and they're leaving the program. They don't want to, they change their degrees, they change their focus, and they really don't want to work in those same fields because they know what they're getting into. And so we're working with state leaders right now to create incentives for these therapists and these psychologists to stay in their programs, to stay in the organizations or the uh, programs that they've already been working with. And, uh, and a lot of that's going to take time. And there is a program that's been created in the state of Utah now that has been in process for the last two years to get more emergency response, to get more crisis response. And it's taken them that long to get it in place. And, and in the meantime, our statistics are getting worse. And there's not a lot of ways that we can change that up front immediately to make an, a difference now. But there are things that we can change that would only takes maybe six months to a year to start seeing a difference. And that's where our focus is. So Mending Minds Village, which is the organization that we created, uh, our whole focus, our whole dedication is to creating those programs, is to advocating for these patients that desperately need help now and making sure that we're addressing their needs making sure that we're creating and going after bills that are going to help them and benefit them in the long run. There's a new bill that just came out that we are going to partner up with a few different organizations and fight them because they have tried to change it again to the benefit of the state rather than the benefit of the children. And we're, we're all about having the conversations with those representatives and trying to see what their purpose was and what their goal was for creating that policy and helping them to understand real world what's happening with these kids and what that bill is going to do for them or do not do for them in this case. And, uh, and it's a lot of work and, you know, it gets really, really overwhelming. Sometimes you look at um, specific family cases that, you know, we get phone calls all the time from parents 
and they're explaining to us what their child is facing. And uh, we have a child that is currently in the mental health uh, field that, uh, you know, we've been working with her for years to try to get some answers and to try to get some uh, focus on her needs. And that is the reason that we created Mending Minds Village. Um, having her spend four years trying to even get a diagnosis was ridiculous. And we're hearing from a lot of families across the country, not just in Utah, but, you know, as far as we've heard cases in Virginia and Illinois, where they're facing a lot of the same thing. Um, we put in a bid this year to speak at the National Ment Mental Health Association's conference. And of course, that was denied because we're, we're too new in the game. Uh, we'll put in for it again next year and we'll fight until we can get in front of the boards and, and in front of that organization. But we really need to have that conversation across the board about why there has to be who is better and who is worse. Uh, why the treatment options are not available across the board. And there are a lot of programs that are willing to put in funding. There are a lot of amazing organizations um, uh, and a lot of ma amazing corporate companies like Coca-Cola, for example, uh, is willing to throw money into the game to treating mental health conditions. And they're willing to support organizations privately because they know what it's like for government and states to try to fund those programs. And so part of our goal and part of our advocacy is uh, we are working to get our national 501c3 registration. And once we have that, we can accept those donations from companies like Coca-Cola and um, Gap and Pepsi and a, you know, a gamut of others. We've got a list of about 75 companies that are willing to do a donation once that 501c3 is in place. Some of them Utah and some of them are national organizations. And that makes us excited. That shows us that companies that didn't used to look at mental health and look at the field are now realizing how desperately that money is needed. And now they're realizing how shady some of the other nonprofit organizations are that they were donating money to in previous years. Um, and we're working to we're working to change that in the state of Utah. And there are a lot of amazing organizations out there that are working toward the same goal, but they're working in different aspects. And I think that's great. We made friends with some of them. And we're working to meet with others. And it's really going to take all of us to go to the state and propose the changes that are necessary and really open up leaders' eyes and really show them real-world experiences about the changes that they're making right now and how they are negatively affecting the youth of this country. And when we talk about nationwide mental health issues, uh, not even just on a state level, but across the board, you really start to understand just how low on the totem pole mental health is for our national leaders. 
And in the states that are asking for more funding and they're asking for ways to help treat these patients, the national level is more concerned about hot topic issues. They're more concerned about what's on the news than they are about actual real world situations. And that's frustrating. That's frustrating on a family level, on an individual level. That's frustrating on an organization level. And that's frustrating on a, on a state local level. You know, you never understand what your people are going through unless you sit down with them and have that conversation and look at real statistics, look at real conversations. And, you know, we have, we have state leaders who agree that we need to make a change with that. And they're willing to go to bat with us to do it. And so we, we, we got really excited about that change specifically. Uh, we are starting to have, uh, especially state senators that didn't want to look at that, starting to open their eyes and starting to join on and starting to really see the movement that's taking place in the state and uh, in the country with parents and organizations trying to really put mental health in the forefront. Um, you know, we, we had a great conversation this last week with a senator, and we explained to her our view that, you know, if you were talking about cancer, or if you were talking about a serious medical issue, there would be organizations and hospitals and clinics that call you constantly and are offering their services to help treat your conditions. Why is that not the same when it comes to mental health? Why are we not treating autism or bipolar disorder or ADHD as a cancer of the brain? Because that's essentially what it is. It, it may not show the same symptoms, but in some mental conditions, it does, especially in autism. Uh, there's a lot of personal influences. There's a lot of things that, you know, as an autism patient, that you don't understand the same way that normal society does. And textures and sounds that a normal person may be able to handle, an autistic child especially, but even an autistic adult cannot comprehend those. They're off-putting, they make them nauseous. Um, you know, you start talking about physical symptoms and it'd be the same as an anxiety attack. And that starts getting really concerning that professionals in the field are not willing to look at those things. So that is a lot of what we work with. Um, we work with kids, uh, like I said before, as young as four and five, where they're starting to see the signs and they're starting to see the symptoms in those kids. Those, some of these kids are not able to understand basic social skills. They're not underst understanding textures and foods and why they're different. They're not understanding any of their behaviors. They don't make any sense to the parents or to their teachers if they're old enough to get into classes. And 
it's it's a real conversation that needs to take place and so we are we're working diligently to make that happen and the more conversations that we have our understanding of the problem becomes wider and our our comprehension of the treatment and of the options becomes narrower and it shouldn't and it's it's real frustrating to see from a parent standpoint the general lack of care and the general uh overwhelming of the system and it started years back years back um speaking with one uh ceo we spoke with a ceo and a director of the same organization and they both said they've been fighting it with the state for the last 10 years and really only in the last two years have they taken it serious and now they're in emergency mode and you start having conversations with them about why it took so long and it was basically like a cloth over their eyes they didn't want to see the issue because it was almost like that ostrich with its head in the sand where if they don't see it it's not a real issue at least as far as they were concerned and it really is it really is that big of an issue um so i want to do something a little bit different um generally i don't do this but um i'm going to open the floor up a little bit and i'm going to invite uh somebody who wants to join in on the conversation with me and talk about where we're at and understand where you're at um where you live and if you have any issues with your mental health organizations in your state so i'm gonna open that up if you want to join in with me and and have that conversation um i think that's the best way for conversations to take place i think that's the best way for changes to happen uh and in the meantime we'll continue the conversation we'll see if uh if anybody wants to join in here but uh you know when we start talking about organizations across the state uh you have really one side of the story uh a lot of the things that they would like to tell you um especially with the the directors and the therapists that i've talked to a lot of the things that they would like to talk about they can't and and understandably so um, it becomes a medical rights issue and and you can't talk about those things but there's a lot of comparison that takes place and there's a lot of uh therapists that are working with similar kids and running into the same issues and running into a wall when it comes to the state and when it comes to the insurance agencies and when it comes to um, even some of the policies in the organizations themselves you run into issues where coding um, specific codes within that organization or within the insurance company prevents you from treating certain conditions 
and, and we had that conversation with uh, one of the therapists this week where they're not allowed to bill for treating an autistic child. They have to treat other issues or underlying issues in order to get some treatment time with autism. Um, and we call and ask the directors and we call and ask uh, people in charge of the Medicaid companies here in the state of Utah, why that is a thing. And nobody can answer those questions, uh, at least not in the leaders that we spoke with. And one hand does not know what the other hand is doing in the state. Uh, we talked to the therapists who complain about those code issues, and they don't understand why they can't bill that way. So we go above their heads, and we start asking supervisors, and we start asking managers and leaders, all the way up to, we spoke to the director of one organization and asked him why it is that they are not able to bill for certain treatment codes. and they have to build them differently, which restricts what they're able to do when it comes to that treatment. And the directors don't know. They don't understand why the billing can't be done a certain way. And we were told if you can find the answer to let them know so that they can start billing for it. Because therapists are spending hours upon hours in treatment and not being able to bill for it. So essentially, they are working for free. And they start talking about how their therapists are down 10% from where they were a year ago for that very issue. Uh, nobody wants to work for free. And, you know, and that goes across the board. I mean, if you were asked to go and work a high paying job for nothing, uh, you're, you're likely not going to do it. And they're starting to lose staff members because the staff members in some of these programs and some of the day treatment programs are being assaulted, are being um, manipulated and kind of getting worn down and beat down and not getting reimbursed for any of it, not getting any better treatment in the workplace, not getting any better understanding and seeing no difference in the work that they're doing. And they start talking in big meetings about what to do and how to fix it. And nobody knows, nobody knows what to do. And that gets really frustrating. And you talk to local leaders who are over those organizations and they're not willing to meet us halfway. They're not willing to add any better pay or any better benefits. Uh, a lot of these programs are state run. And in order to make a change, you have to go and sit through six weeks of hearings and meetings to get an approval for a single change. And I don't know about you, but that's definitely not something that I would be willing to put up with for a single change that may or may not make your job any better. Um, and you have directors of mental health organizations in the state of Utah that do that every single week because they want to make the situation better for the families, for the children going through it, and for their staff. 
if you are a mental health provider, if you are a therapist, a staff member, a director, supervisor, uh, office manager, I commend your work. I thank you for taking your time, for spending very long hours trying to help these children and trying to help the programs that you're working with. Know that you are not alone. And know that you, we are doing everything we can to help make changes. And the more people that reach out to us from all walks of life and from all levels in the organization, whether it's children, parents, staff, uh, therapists, psychologists, directors, every contact that we get leads us a little bit closer to helping that situation and to making things better across the board in the state of Utah for sure. Um, and now we're going to be a part of a national hearing and we're going to get a chance to uh, speak with some state senators about the situation. And we're going to try and make a difference, not just for the state of Utah, but for all of us that are in the bottom 20% that need to see some changes, that need to start helping people we're going to get that opportunity and that is not something we take lightly so if you would like your voice to be heard if you would like to have part in a conversation with state leaders and with federal leaders if you want your story heard please send me a message go to the facebook page the life of a utah medium i have the links um in there for Mending Minds Village. You can also go to Mending Minds Village on Facebook. And in that organization level, we talk about every meeting that we're having. Um, I have an update from this morning. We have another sit down with um, Utah House Representative Sandra Hollins, as well as I, I believe three or four other now um, House Representatives that are wanting to join the cause. We have that meeting coming up on Tuesday. And we're getting a lot of question about Medicaid code and about private insurance code that prevents them from billing. And how do we affect that across the board, across the state, so that children aren't being left behind and so that therapists aren't feeling the need to walk off the, off the job in the middle of a session in some cases because they just don't feel like they're able to make a difference. We're going to have that conversation with the House representative. We're going to sit down again with state leader, with the state senators. We're going to talk with some of the real big drivers in the state Senate and in the state House. We're going to have a conversation with state government leaders. We're going to really try and get to the bottom of some of these questions. And in the meantime, we're also going to have more conversations with some of the larger organization directors in the state that are making a difference. And we're going to learn from them who we need to talk to and what questions need to be asked to make a bigger difference, to start opening some of the much needed programs and getting those staffed. We, were, we are going to keep bringing you updates. Uh, the conversation this week was mostly on mental health in the state of Utah. Um, 
the conversation that we're going to have next uh, will be a paranormal subject. So tune in with us on that. We're going to talk about um, mental health every other episode. And we will bring you topics. We will bring you updates from state and local leaders. We will bring you questions from families, from leaders that really make you think, that really are questions that the general public needs to know. We will bring you topics in the paranormal about readings. We will bring you topics in the paranormal about paranormal hauntings, locations, uh, some paranormal history subjects. When we do the paranormal topics, I'm going to try to bring you paranormal news. When we do mental health topics, I'm going to bring you a random news story. If it's a funny story, if it's a number one story in the country, uh, we will, we'll, we'll bring that to you. Um, I want these conversations to be fun. I hope that you enjoy the topic so far. And I hope that uh, we bring you back for another episode and that you're interested in uh, having conversations with me that might kind of spark some debate a little bit or might spark some deeper conversation that needs to take place in the fields. Please join me again on the next episode. I will be back here again next week. If you are not listening to this live and you listen to this podcast episode, please join me on those Facebook page, Mending Minds of Village and The Life of a Utah Medium, both pages on Facebook. And send me a message. Ask me your questions. Um, if you have a story that you would like to be heard, and if you have information that you would like to be uh, brought to state leaders or to local leaders, um, or if you have an issue with a, an organization or a treatment center, please send those to me. Allow me to help you. Allow me to advocate for you and your family. Because the difference that we make for you might also be a difference we make for hundreds of other families going through the same thing. I hope that you all have a great week. I am so grateful for every one of you that have listened. You guys are amazing, and I love having uh, the conversation that takes place on these episodes. Uh, look for me again next week right here on the live show. And if you're listening to this on the podcast, um, again, listen to it every single week. We're going we're gonna to upload these sessions, and uh, we look forward to bringing you interesting topics. If you have any topics that you would like to hear on, uh, send that to me as well on a message, and I will make sure to make an episode that uh, fits into what you guys want to hear. Have a great week. Have a safe week. And we will talk to you guys again right here live next Sunday, and we will bring you a paranormal subject. Have a great week, guys.